Stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast as today we will bring you up to date on what happened in the NFL and what's going on in college football and possibly some NCAA basketball action as well. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. That show is starting next. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And yes... I am making a phone call. What a way to start a show. I'm calling Rick Thomas. He is not expecting this call. And he will want to pick up. Anyway, while we're waiting for Rick to answer or not answer his phone, want to bring you up to date on the NFL. Sunday's games and the game that just completed. Bet no one saw that one coming. Pittsburgh. Three-game losing skid. Not looking nothing like a playoff team. None whatsoever. Makes you wonder what loss was worse. Was it Rams losing to the Jets? Or was it Pittsburgh Steelers going down to the Cincinnati Bengals and the third string quarterback? Well, Rick is not answering his phone. Shame on him. Anyway, what we're going to do we're first going to let you know that the Steelers lost to the Bengals, who are now 2-10-1 by the final score of 27-17. to Yes, that's right. The Steelers suffer their, their third straight loss going down to the Cincinnati Bengals. Second and two. Finley will keep it right up the middle. Ryan Finley. And watch Alex Highsmith. He's going to chase. And great play call from Zach Taylor. This drive by Zach Taylor. Throwing the ball, running the ball at times. The Steelers could not have anticipated. Yes, didn't see that coming. This hot. So what is wrong with the Steelers? They can't seem to get it right.
And yes. You can do the holidays your way. There are some more highlights to follow. You know, these two teams basically do not like each other. So you can always expect some fireworks to take place. Cincinnati rushing just three. That is intercepted. Picked off and high-stepping is Mackenzie Alexander for Cincinnati. And flags fly. For from the end of the run, automatic. First down. Shoots a Korofor. Got flagged for Pittsburgh. Usually a high step into the end zone, don't you? But those 10-plus yard throws for Big Ben trying to push the ball down the field. So far tonight, he's 0 for 7. 0 for 7. Six of them have either been broken up or picked off. That is not the way to start. That is not how you produce chunk plays. And as so, yes, after that pick right there, Alexander picks off Big Ben, and as he's going out of bounds, he's high-stepping, kind of, Deion Sanders-like, and when the Pittsburgh lineman took exception to it, they know if you're going to do something like that, don't do it on the bench of the same of the enemy team. You know there's bad blood between the Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's been bad blood over the years. One thing you can do, you can throw out the records. When these two teams hook up, there's going to be some angst, some animosity. Why would you do something so stupid? Well, we got some more highlights. One of the things we will say, something is definitely wrong with Pittsburgh. Three turnovers. Should have been five. There were some interceptions, some potential interceptions that ended up getting dropped. But three turnovers? I don't care if you're playing St. Mary's School of the Blind. You turn the ball through, whoever you're asking to lose the game. So, what else happened in this game? Christmas, 26 on the 26. Here's Bernard, still on his feet. Enter here, pick up the blitz on the interior. That's Trey Hopkins, picks it up, and Finley's able to stand in there and at the very last moment get the ball to Bernard. And a missed tackle into the end zone. He ran a heck of a route against Avery and Williamson. Just left him frozen. Absolutely frozen in his tracks. And then Cam Sutton misses the tackle. So. That was the third string quarterback, Finley. With a pass to Giovanni Bernard. Who hauls in the pass and crosses the goal line. For the touchdown. Oh, but guess what? There were also some defensive plays that were made by the Cincinnati Bengals. In other words, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be in some pain in the morning when they wake up, especially one Juju Smith Schuster who basically had his bell rung, so to speak. So let's just check that out right now. The Bengals, Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster is blown up, and the whistles blow. 
Just watch him here. Just watch him just kind of hang there, play like a one lurk, and watch him just come downhill. Boom! It's perfect. He does it perfectly. He knows it's coming to him. He knows Juju likes to run those shallow crossers. Perfect. Perfect. That's a now, let me tell you about that play right there. Looking at that play, he caught it. He made a move. He got popped. Why were the whistles blowing? It's amazing. That should have been a fumble. Well, let me go ahead and uh, get you some. Get you some scores. Bring you up to date. Because there were some games played on Sunday. So let me bring that up for you. See what happened. There were definitely Head scratching games. Some scores you didn't see coming. First of all, there were the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Baltimore Ravens, who seem to be peaking now at the right time. The Ravens come away with a 40. To 14 victory. And we are going to see how some of that played out with the Ravens and the Jaguars. Backfield, play action. Jackson drops the throw, looks to the right, lobs back of the end zone, and it is caught by Miles Boykin. For a touchdown. What I love about that play, Jerry, is Mile Boykin was in the slot on the backside. He ran a drag all the way across the field. Lamar saw him early. So it looks like Lamar Jackson, who is known to beat you with his legs, is beginning to get a little bit more comfortable with his arm. And it appears as if the Ravens are comfortable with him now in passing situations. Once again, the Ravens come away with a route 40 to 14. In the game that no one seen this one coming, how about the Jets and the Rams. A game that basically the Rams were decidedly big favorites. Double-digit favorites. As for the Jets, they were in the running for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstake. So how did that actually turn out well one thing we can tell you is the 
you will be thoroughly surprised. From the tight end in motion, they'll hand off to Gore. Over the left side and in for a touchdown. Opening drive of the third quarter, and the Jets go 11 plays, 72 yards in six and a half minutes to take what could be a 20 to 3 lead over the Rams pending the extra. Yes, you heard that right. A 20 to 3 lead. Well, the Rams tried to come back, but they came up just a little bit on the short side. As the Rams fall to the Jets, final score, 23-20. And can you believe the old man scored a touchdown? Yes, we're talking about Frank Gore. That was Frank Gore scoring on that one-yard plunge there. And another game that pitted two former OU quarterbacks, Murray versus Hurts. Yeah, I know Jalen Hurts also played at Alabama, but he finished his career at Oklahoma. Yes, that long line of quarterbacks. Yes, Murray, Hurts, Mayfield. All of them starting. It was an interesting game. Very interesting. Here's another clip. Interesting to the point to where it had you on the edge of your seat. So let's see how this turned out. He's back. He stepped up. He's starting to run. He is firing, and it is caught. Is it a touchdown? I believe it is by Larry Fitzgerald in the corner of the end zone. Larry Fitzgerald. And he's very well covered. And Roby Coleman, if he turns back and looks to play the ball, he has an opportunity for a pick here, but he's just going to watch Fitzgerald. Back goes Mary. He puts it in the air, and it is incomplete. Oh, no, no it's a touchdown. He kept it. No, he doesn't Hopkins drop it. caught it. He, I don't know how he held on. He that ball was hit, and he held on for a touchdown. He's unbelievable. He drops nothing. And Michael Jaquette's in, in the best position right that he there. could possibly be in. He's right there. Let me tell you about that catch right there by DeAndre Hopkins. I think he needs to be checked for some type of sticky substance on his gloves. Remember the, as they call it, the Hail Murray pass? And the ball just seemed like, between the ball and his gloves, there was just a magnet when he caught that. Well, that particular catch, he had a defender in his face, draped all on him. Defender hit the ball, and the ball looked like it was just stuck to his glove.
checking for some sticky substance on this glove because that ball should have been knocked away. And how about the old man catching the pass? Larry Fitzgerald for a touchdown. Matter of fact, that catch reminded me of those commercials that Larry Fitzgerald used to make where everything they threw at him, he was catching it. I know you remember those commercials. But anyway, the Cardinals come away to keep their playoff hopes on life support for the 33-26 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. How about this game right here? Highly anticipated game between the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and the Saints and their returning, aging, coming off an injury list, Drew Brees. So just how did this turn out? One thing we do know is the game went down pretty much as a classic. Patrick Mahomes was pretty much Patrick Mahomes. Drew Brees, a little bit rusty. One thing to keep in mind, though, in this game, The Chiefs held the Saints to 1 of 11 on third down conversions. Chiefs empty the backfield. They're going to give it off. And they shovel it to Kelsey in a tight. It was a tight diamond basketball shovel pass. The Chiefs got up quickly before the Saints could really set. It looked like an empty backfield, but they had a tight diamond sprint out action to the left by Mahomes. Pulls it in his right hand. Fires it late for the end zone in the back of the end zone. Hardman with the catch. Does he have it? They haven't ruled it. Yes, they do. Touchdown, Kansas City. This time the Jet takes a small plane, a single-engine plane to the back of the end zone, and the Chiefs regain the lead on a five-yard touchdown pass. Outstanding awareness, body control, plants his right foot, drags his left foot, picture-perfect technique. So, yes, those were some highlights. And then there were also some highlights, some highlights that you don't want. Keep in mind this game that Mahomes tossed three TDs in this game. But there was some stuff that the game didn't need, and it cost one player for the Saints in particular. As Cam Jordan could not control his emotions. Comes to the near sideline, and Robinson, it's incomplete. Bro, so Cam Jordan, phenomenal players, had a great career, gets ejected from the game, throwing the punch at Andrew Wiley. 
Different option action. Mahomes keeps it. Pitches it late. Back to Bell at the right sideline. Touchdown, Kansas City. Sprint option. It was Texas Tech pitching to Michigan State. And the Chiefs get the coveted two-possession lead on a 13-yard sprint option run and pitch by Mahomes. Bell finishes it off. Kind of reminiscent of what Darian Hagan and Eric Bieniemy at Colorado with the option to the short side of the field. What can be said about Kansas City? Just when you think you have seen it all, that option play right there was just asinine, sickening. I mean, you couldn't drew that, drew that one up no better. And who better to run that than Patrick Mahomes? Anyway, the Chiefs come away with a 32-29 victory, pushing their record to 13-1, and dropping the Saints to 10-4. and What we're not through, because a game that could have easily been a trap game. That's right, we're talking about I got to get used to saying this. The 10 and 4 Cleveland Browns. That's right. Say that again. Cleveland Browns. 10 and 4. Going up against the New York Don't Call Us Little Giants at 5 and 9. Right. That's the Giants that play in that division called the NFC Least, where no team in the division has a winning record. Yet the winner, yet the winner of that division gets a playoff spot. Let me just put a pin right there because I'm getting ready to go on a little rant. There's a college football team, Ohio State. Yes, I know they call them the, I call them Ohio State. There were special concessions made for them to be able to play in their conference championship game, even though they didn't have the required amount of games played. Fast forward, they're in the college football playoff. Why come some special concessions can't be made? I know you have your bylaws and guidelines and rules intact, but something should be said about this NFC least, okay, NFC East division, where neither team has a winning record. But the one that has the better record is going to be rewarded a playoff berth. I think totally that is a disrespect to the game itself. Yes, let me say it again. I think that's a disrespect to the game. Because in essence, what you're doing is you're passing out what I'd like to call a participation trophy. But you have a bunch of grown men playing, making millions and millions of dollars a year. And yet, best you're giving them a participation trophy. So we're going to let you get in the playoffs, even though your record is not above 500. To me, it makes for bad football. And to me, I say you're still on the spot from a team that's more deserving. And if special concessions can be made for Ohio State, the NFL surely ought to be able to say, look, we're not going to have this. Let's look at teams with winning records. 
it makes much more sense. Anyway, let's get on with the business at hand. The Cleveland Browns face the New York Giants. And I know there are a lot of Cleveland fans that are just jumping for joy this season. That game against Pittsburgh coming up, Brown fans have to be feeling pretty good about their chances now, especially seeing how the Pittsburgh Steelers seem to be falling loose at the seams. Let's check out what happened between the Browns and the Giants. Here's Mayfield turning, play action fake to Chubb, looking, fires, ends a wide open, caught, touchdown, they got it, it's Hooper! Austin Hooper is back, and man, he was wide open! (laughs) Yes, he was. And the Browns go down and take the lead, 13 plays, drifts back, drifts back, throws, end zone, caught, Landry's got it, and he's got it for a touchdown! Well, he a little. And a uh, flag like, comes down. He's in a screaming it. match with Isaac Yedem, the defensive back. Landry caught the ball in the back of the end zone. Let's see if he's going to pick up a taunting penalty. No, that should not have been a taunting penalty because Yedem was the one that got up in his face and initiated the conversation anyway. But Baker Mayfield is starting to look better and better each week. He's playing within the confines of the offense. He's not trying to do too much. They seem to have confidence in him. They also have that running game. Cleveland is one of those teams I don't think I'd be wanting to face in playoffs. And what's amazing is all this has been done since the injury to Odell Beckham Jr. Tends to make you wonder. But we're not going to get into that. Browns come away with the victory over the Giants by the score of 20 to 6. What I'm going to do right here is I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I shall have some more. So stay tuned. A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Sorry I couldn't get Rick on the phone. I'll catch him though. In the meanwhile, stay tuned. I'm building up some steam. The A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor, Anthony Smith. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.c-a-k-e-y-b-u-m-s.com www.cakeybums.com to enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back once again, and we are rolling right along. Of course, you know, there were some games on Saturday, which we hit that up on my other podcast. Uh, Bills down to Broncos, 48-19. to 
Packers came away with a 24-16 victory over the Carolina Panthers. So we have here now other Sunday games. How about the Buccaneers and the Falcons? You talk about a team that is snake bit. Can't hold a lead. Let's just say they can't hold running water. They can't stand prosperity. Buccaneers taking on the Falcons. Let, let me let me just give you this rundown right here. At the halftime, the score was Falcons 17, Buccaneers 0. At the end of the third quarter, the score was Buccaneers 21, Falcons 24. By the end of the fourth quarter, what can we say? Should I tell you, or should I just let the highlights speak for themselves? Shift the tight end to the right, Matt Ryan will again throw. Nice play action fake toward the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Falcons. Calvin Ridley in the end zone. And the Falcons lead 13 to nothing, just like that. First down 10 from the Falcon 33. Bring the throw. Drops, has time. Throws a pass over the middle. It's a caught ball at the 5. 3 2, 1 yard line. Did Evans get in? Did Mike Evans get in? Down, I think, just short of the goal line. Brady under center, hands the ball off, and Leonard Fournette slams into the line. He should have a touchdown. Give him a touchdown, Mr. Ref. Johnson, the wide receiver, play after big pass. Caught ball, touchdown, Chris Godwin. Boy, a dart right on the hip of number 14. Godwin's following so the defender is outside of him, can't cross his face, and Tom Brady with a quick play action holds the linebackers inside. First down 10. Brady, a seven-step drop, looks downfield, wants all of it, throws toward the end. Got a receiver open. It's Antonio Brown. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Buccaneers take the lead for the first time of the game, and Brown has his first touchdown as a Buccaneer. They had the mismatch with Antonio Brown on number 44, Paul and Brown had him beat by. So, yes. There you have it. The Buccaneers come back. Of course, who hasn't came back against the Falcons? And they come away with I can pull that back up. There we go. They come back up with a 31 to 27 victory. In a wild and woolly game, 49ers and the Cowboys. 
some teams that have some history over the years. It was a shootout in Texas. Wedding day, huh, boys? A shootout in Texas. The 49ers came to play. And the Cowboys, well, sometimes you just hope they're ready to play. Matter of fact, the Cowboys went to game as underdogs. So just how did the Cowboys fare? Let's find out. I'm not a play-by-play -play guy, but let me tell you what happens. 47 yards. C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb returns an onside kick attempt by the 49ers. The ball bounced just right. He caught it on the first bounce. There was a crease. He ran through it. Untouched all the way to the end zone. And as a result, the Cowboys win this game. 41-33. Dropping the 49ers to 5-9, and nine, while the Cowboys, meanwhile, improves, if you can call it an improvement, to 5-9. and nine. How about the Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans? Oh, Derrick Henry, huh? Derrick Henry is one special athlete. One thing that can be said about Derrick Henry is it takes more than one person to bring him down. In some cases, more than two people. Derrick Henry has a mean stiff arm. Derrick Henry is the reason Ryan Tannehill's career has taken a resurgence.
So yeah, that was the highlights with the music bed. Ryan Tannehill throws three touchdown passes. So with AT and T, you could and runs for two of them. Why is that possible? Because of all the attention that Derrick Henry commands. It opens up for other avenues in their offensive repertoire. Texans and the Colts. The Colts come away with the 27-20 victory. And after years and years of being in the playoffs, a game that has some implications, the Patriots versus the Dolphins. Could Cam Newton and Bill Belichick get the job done? Or would the Miami Dolphins keep things rolling? The fistful of Jersey as the Dolphins regain the lead. Rookie taking you to task right now as the Dolphins reclaim the lead. He takes the snap, he pushes his way forward, he sneaks into the end zone. His second of the day, and the Dolphins do expand the lead. The clock ticks to 3.13. So the Dolphins get that touchdown. And with that being said, the Dolphins beat the Patriots to move their record to 9-5 and five, while dropping the Patriots to 6-8. and eight and thus eliminating them from any type of playoff hope. So it's going to be a different look in the NFL without the Patriots in the playoffs. At the same time, it should be a very interesting playoff. In other games, Chicago Bears. And all of a sudden, it seems like they have discovered some offense. As the Bears keep their playoff hopes on life support, coming away with a 33-27 victory over the Minnesota Vikings, who, for all intents and purposes, will probably eliminate from playoff hope, too. Once again, the Bears come away with a 33-27 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. In a game between the Seattle Seahawks and the team formerly known as the Redskins, now known as the Washington football team, and I always have to reference this, they when I see that name, the Washington football team, it reminds me of a song that said, I rode in the horse, rode into town on a horse with no name. As the Seahawks come away with twenty to fifteen victory over their, over a very valiant effort by the Washington football team, who has slim hopes of a playoff? Remember, they play in the NFC Least division. So, takes us to our next game, 
Baltimore Ravens. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, we did talk about this earlier. But why am I bringing this back up again? Because now the Jaguars, with their loss, and the Jets, and their win, are now two teams in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And by the Jets winning, they might have just squandered their chance of being in the sweepstakes for the Trevor Lawrence. So we will wait to see how that turns out. Well, there is your NFL updates and scores and highlights. Stay tuned. I'll come back. Have some more for you. The A Transports Talk Podcast. Be back with you momentarily. Anthony Smith here, A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com That's www.c-a-k-e-y-b-u-m-s.com www.cakeybums.com to enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to the A Transports Talk podcast. And a lot has gone on over the weekend. Uh, we had the college football selection. And were you surprised by the outcome? One thing that was baffling was the fact that Army, a team with a 9-2 record, was left out of a bowl. Get this, their record, nine wins and two losses. Not two and nine, like South Carolina, not three and eight, like Mississippi State, but nine and two. I am trying to figure out the equation. How, well, only way I know how to say it is how in the hell does a nine and two team? get left out of a bowl 
when a two and nine team probably stinks up the joint, gets to go to a bowl game. Now I get it. There are there have been a lot of opt outs. Which to me seems all the more reason there should be a spot. Well, as fate would have it, Army takes Ball's Liberty Bowl spot and will face West Virginia University. But can I say something? It shouldn't have even had to come to that. Just like I said in the NFL. You're basically going to reward a team out of the NFC East and you're basically giving them a participation trophy just for playing the game to me, which I think is a total disrespect and the NFL should do something about that. Because in essence, a team with a losing record is basically going to take a spot from a team that possibly is more deserving of a playoff berth, which now it makes sense now to start doing a seeding process for the playoffs in the NFL. back to Army. This Army football team, just like a lot of other football teams that played and made it through the college football season with all the uncertainties and all the pandemic issues and teams having to reschedule, postpone, cancel games. Army's situation is a little bit more unique than the average football team. First of all, look no further than the name. Army. You have Army. You have Navy. You have Air Force. You have seniors on each of those teams who at the end of their plan day will have other duties besides going to the next level. And you're meant to tell me that you couldn't find a spot for Army? You can make concessions, Big Ten, for Ohio State to play in their conference championship without the required minimum number of games. But NCAA, you're telling me that you didn't have no solution for Army with a 9-2 record? Poppycock. You can translate that however you want to translate that. But anyway, as it comes down, let me get you this story. Army takes Vols Liberty Spot Bowl. Oh, and I'm going to get to some other things too. Such as a better college football playoff path, the best bowl games, and more champ week thoughts. Oh, how about there was also a uh, college football game played. It was a bowl game. App State against North Texas. Let me go ahead and get you this story right here. As I said, it shouldn't even have to come down to this. You should just automatically plugged them into a game.
what we have here are some highlights from Army's season. Let me get this for you. This is it for the game. Fourth and goal for Army. You can. Yes, that was highlights of the Army versus Air Force. So, Army will have the opportunity to play in a bowl game after all. The Knights have been unable to find an opponent for a bowl game coming out of the weekend, but on Monday it was announced they will face West Virginia in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl on December 31st. Tennessee was originally scheduled to play in the game, but had to drop out earlier Monday after receiving word of multiple positive COVID-19 tests among players and coaches, including head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Army 9-2 had a primary agreement to play in the Independence Bowl, but the game was canceled Sunday after multiple teams opted out of postseason play. Army coach Jeff Monken told ESPN's Adam Rittenberg that players were in tears Sunday when they were informed of the cancellation, believing their season would end without a chance to play another game. On Monday night, they went absolutely bananas upon learning they'd be playing in a bowl game. Monken said during an appearance on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. They were desperate for an opportunity to play one more time, Monken said before adding, I was just humbled that people would think that much of our team and our young men to be advocates for them. Our players can't advocate for themselves. They got to just take what's offered. To have people that believe in them and think so highly of this institution and this program really is humbling. So, Army, and especially for those seniors, who might not be playing to the next level. Well deserved. Looking at some more news. LSU football parts ways with defensive coordinator Bo Pelini after one season. Bo Pelini will not return for another season at LSU as LSU's defensive coordinator, the school announced. Pelini, a former head coach at Youngstown State and Nebraska, was brought on to coach LSU's defense in January, but ultimately failed to live up to expectations as the Tigers ranked next to last in the SEC in yards allowed per game. Pelini had two years remaining on his contract. The school said in a statement that the parties agreed to a financial settlement. More changes are expected to occur on the LSU coaching staff throughout the offseason, a source told ESPN. Oh, wow. LSU failed to recapture the magic of last season when it went undefeated and won a national championship. The Tigers lost their opening game to Mississippi State and needed back-to-back -back wins to finish the regular season at 5-5. Five and five. And to keep things rolling, 
CFP committee willing to postpone New Year's Six Bowl games if COVID-19 issues occur, Bill Honeycock says. College football playoff is willing to postpone most of its New Year's Six Bowl games, including its two semifinal games and the national championship if one or both teams can't participate because of COVID-19 issues, CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock told ESPN on Monday evening. The game that could be impacted are the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic on December 30th, the two semifinal games, and the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl on January 1, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl on January 2nd, and the College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T is currently scheduled for 8 p.m. on January 11th at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. It's unclear at this time if the January 2nd Capital One Orange Bowl will have the same flexibility because the bowl has a different contract than others. We are planning to play the game when they're scheduled, Hancock said. We've said all along that we will be ready for any circumstances, and we will. But if one or both teams are not available and have to postpone a bowl game or the championship game, we will do it. Hancock declined to speculate about further contingency plans or any dates because it's impossible to determine when a team would be able to return to play. The CFP has said that each participating team will continue to use the COVID-19 protocols its conferences had man- has mandated all season. The college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One, which will feature number one Alabama versus number four Notre Dame, is scheduled for 4 p.m. on January 1 at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. It was moved on Saturday night from the Rose Bowl Stadium in Pasadena, California, so that players and coaches' families and guests could attend the college football playoff semifinal at the All-State Sugar Bowl, which will feature number two Clemson versus number three Ohio State. It's at 8 p.m. on January 1 at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. So there you have some movement going on with the college football playoff and the possibilities of what could happen in the event of COVID-19 issues. So as you listen to this podcast, leave me a message. Give me your feedback. Tell me what you think about the content tonight. What do you think about the possibility of playoff games getting postponed, canceled, whatever the case may be? As we are under unprecedented times, So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to go ahead and close out by giving you some basketball scores as there were some games played tonight. As we see here. Just go ahead and pull up the score list. Northwestern State 
looked like they were the sacrificial lamb for the number one team in the country, Gonzaga. As Gonzaga boat raked this past Northwestern State by the score of 95 to 57. Number two team, Baylor, took on Arkansas Pine Bluff. No match. Final score of 99-42. In other words, it wasn't even close. Baylor basketball really does that. Baylor athletics does that in every way. Athletically, academically, spiritually, socially, in every single way. Oh, look at that pass to Loveday from Jared Butler. <laughs> easy flush on another great assist from Jared Butler. Hmm. doing this thing with the flashy This Baylor team looks awfully dangerous. They could be the threat to dethrone Kansas Jayhawks in the Big 12. Your top players in that game, top performers from the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, Sean Doss Jr. led the way with 25 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. For Baylor, it was guard Jarrett Butler, 14 points, 4 rebounds, and 7 assists. Tennessee. Were they a gracious host or a Grinch to St. Joseph's? Yep, Tennessee hosted St. Joseph's and let's just say it was not a pretty sight. Well, guess what? Not to be outdone, not to be outdone, because that was a vicious dunk. Tennessee's Pond's deep defender on that dunk. But not to be outdone, even in a losing cause, St. Joe had to make some highlights of their own. Here we go. Forrest attacking and the finish. A chance for three for number 24 in traffic. Where did that come from? <laughs> he got a tech, but he earned it. My goodness. Who would have thought when you hear Cotta Body and Pons in the same sentence, you're not thinking Pons is the recipient, but coming off one foot, Pons just a little too late. Forrest with the scream. I don't blame you, young fella. 
Yes, Palms from St. Joe's. Yes, he got the tech. And as you heard the announced team say, he earned it. But that was the only good thing for St. Joe as they were humbled by Tennessee, the number eight team, Tennessee, by a final score of 102 to 66. Top performers, Ryan Daly of St. Joe's. Guard, 13 points, seven rebounds, three assists. And for Tennessee, Santiago Vescovi, guard for Tennessee, 16 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Well, like it was a lot of big boy play little boy basketball today. As number 21, Florida played host to Gardner Webb. And once again, it was one of those boat racing type of games as the big boys showed why they are the big boys. MJ Walker. And Koprovica opens the scoring. Is it up top? Falco. Shut off. You can see how the length is bothering Gardner Webb already. And wow. the clock heave and Lance Terry connects. That's a perfect possession for Gardner Webb using the whole shot clock and then knocking down the three. Freshman Nick Lamont handles it. Selden, that's three. Polite looks. Walker. Nice move. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, I mean, you, you do that, you put your head down and get to the rim, and uh, then you got Koparusa's right there. Really haven't gotten anything out of the break from this point either. Nice drive. Good left hand to take that time. Yeah, just got the brush, and... Uh, Gardner-Webb caught in no man's land. Well, they turned it into a 20-minute game, Bob, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. It's the last thing you want to have is a team coming into your building. Oh, nice touch. Koprovica, the touch. Yeah, just a, a high ball screen. You empty out the weak side. Well, Kareem Reed was not to be denied against two players. Meanwhile, at the other end on the run out. Ball shit doing it here early. They need a steady diet of that. Right after this beautiful move to get the baseline jam. Yeah, just uh, went away opposite the screen. Nice spacing on the weak side. No help defensively. And uh it by three with 925 to play. Walker. Follow Malik Osborne. Gardner Webb running. Again. Lance Terry. So the cavalry coming. Brought to you by CPI. This is an again in transition. And the horn sounds ending this one in Florida State's favor, 72 to 59. And, and there you have those highlights from Florida State and Gardner Webb. Which was actually really a competitive game because at the end of the first half, Florida State only had a 31-28 lead and then they outscored Gartner-Webb in the second half 
by a score of 41 to 31, which gave them the final margin of 72 to 59. Also, in other scores, Virginia Tech, ranked number 24, 71, took on Longwood, another game that was competitive in the first half. Longwood came in with a 1-6 record. At the end of that first half, as I said, the score was 34-30, to but in the second half, Virginia Tech finally flexed their muscle, pulled away, outscored them in the second half, 50-28, to came away with an 84-58 victory. So there you have it. Some college highlights, scores, and updates. Hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Want to let you know I'm heard on eight different platforms. Spotify being one. iHeart. Uh, I believe iHeart. I'm not sure. Uh, I also know that I'm heard on uh, Apple Podcasts. So wherever you get your podcast at, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, I do believe. Share the podcast, download the podcast, whatever you do, it'd be greatly appreciated. Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other, and I'll be back with you once again.